the end of Hebrews chapter 5, it says in verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So what he, he remember the context of Hebrews of, of the book of Hebrews. There's a group of Messianic Jews, Jews that were believers in Jesus, that were, 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 had grown up as Jews and uh, uh, came through Judaism, and then they believed in the message of the Messiah. They were not in Jerusalem, they were in the Judean area, and now they are feeling tempted to go back into Judaism because of the persecutions that are arising. And this was written in about 66 to 68 A.D., just shortly before just shortly before the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the desolation of Jerusalem was going to occur in 70 A.D. They didn't know the exact date of this, but the author of the book of Hebrews certainly knows that trouble is brewing, and this is why he's speaking to them so emphatically. And what he's warning them about is if you do go back into, into Judaism, you're going to end up in Jerusalem, and you're going to die in the onslaught that the Romans are going to bring against Jerusalem. And so he's warning them about this. And he says in verse 12, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Remember this milk and solid food, because we're going to see that again in another book. But he set up in verse 11, at the end of verse 11, he says, you have become dull of hearing. You have become dull. So you weren't always dull, you have become dull. If we don't take and use what God has given us, we become dull in our hearing. When we don't respond to the Word of God, we become dull in our hearing. The man who... who, who was very instrumental in discipling me when I was your age, actually. He used to tell me, when the Lord speaks to you through the Word of God, immediately obey. Obey immediately. And then you will get more. The Lord will speak more to you. But there be, must be immediate obedience. They became dull in their hearing. He says, you've, you've reverted back to this, this infantile state. <clears throat> he says, he says in, in the end of verse 13, he is an infant. You've gone back. You've reverted. So in other words, they were doing well and they reverted. He says, you ought to be teachers by now. So that's the context for the beginning of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the, about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instructions about washings and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For in this case, for in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power, powers of the age to come and have then fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receive a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and it will end up being burned. 
So he says, we're going to leave the elementary principles about Christ. So what does he include in the elementary principles? He says, it's this. He says, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance. He says, this is the elementary principle. This is where it begins. The foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. This repentance from dead works. Turning away from things that are destructive in our lives. This is how we start out. We start out when, when we are confronted with the gospel. When the gospel was first told to me, the first time I remember it being told to me, I was 18, and uh, uh, the gospel was told to me. And um, at first he, he, he had me read this verse, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, out of the book of Romans. And, and, uh, and I looked at him, I said, I'm not a sinner. I've never robbed a bank, I've never killed anybody, how can I be a sinner? I didn't feel that I had anything to repent for. And then he showed me this verse where Jesus said in, in, in Matthew, he said, if anyone looks at a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery with her already in his heart. And, and I was just so taken back by this thing because it hit me so hard. Because I was, I was uh, deeply involved in pornography at that time. And I had no idea that this is considered sin in the eyes of God. And so I was really shaken by this. And all of a sudden I understood that I was a sinner. And then a few months later, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I repented. I asked God to forgive me from that. And I was able to break free of that. And uh, uh, that was miraculous in itself, because that's a hard thing to break free from. But um, uh, repentance from dead works, this constant feeling that if I somehow do good, then I'll get to God. And the, and the Bible actually, actually uh, dispels all of that belief. So if you look in, in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we are not saved as a result of works. So this whole idea that if I do good things, somehow I will get to God, the Bible dispels. There is no way that doing good is going to get you to God. The Bible says we are saved to do good works. Not that good works save us, but He saves us in order to do good. The good works themselves do not save us. So, so if you're not a believer, and you think that by doing good, if you're somehow your good works outweigh your bad works, you're okay, which is a common misunderstanding. The Bible puts that away and says that's not what works here. That's not the way it goes. So if we, if we turn back and look at, at, at again at Hebrews chapter 6, he says repentance from dead works and faith toward God. It is a faith toward God that we have. It says in Romans, ver, verse, uh, in, in, in Romans verse 10, verse 9 and 10, this is the, the very basics that he, he tells us, that we are to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that he's risen from the dead. This confession of his, him being Lord and believing in our heart that he's risen from the dead. And that's why he goes on, this, this, this repentance from dead works, faith toward God, instructions about washing and laying on of hands, the importance of baptism. If you've not been baptized, you really ought to be. It is an act of obedience. It is hard to go on with the Lord if we've not done the very basic things that He's told us to do. So if you've not been baptized since becoming a believer, the Scriptures are clear. It says they believed and they were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. You say, well, it's kind of embarrassing to be baptized. Good, be embarrassed and follow the Lord. There, there is a cost in following the Lord. 
If it's for your embarrassment, there's a cost. Be embarrassed and follow the Lord. It's very easy here. You go to anyone in the leadership. You can send me an email. I'll put you with somebody. They'll just ask you about your faith to make sure you're saved. And they'll get you in the waters of baptism within a few weeks and you'll be baptized. It is that easy. You ought to be baptized. It is, it is, it is uh, uh, the basic things of obedience. This is what he's talking about, this... this uh, um, Instructions about washing and laying on of hands. And you will see whenever there's a baptism, they will place their hands upon you and they will pray. This is this, this whole instruction from the Word of God. And the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. That we must believe in our hearts that He's risen from this dead, from the dead. This foundational thing. This is, if you think about it, how could any thinking man or woman believe in a physical resurrection? It's a very odd thing. And the reason it's so hard to get hold of is because we don't have a lot of data points on it. We don't see this happening all the time. Very unusual to have a resurrection from the dead. But this resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is believable because God has placed it within the hearts of all men and women to believe this. I'm amazed when I share the gospel with people and I talk about confessing Jesus as Lord and believing in our hearts that He has risen from the dead. And I say, Jesus has risen from the dead. And I speak this to people who have Chinese, for example, that have no background in Jesus Christ. And I talk about the resurrection of the dead. That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and He rose from the dead. Would you like to pray to receive the Lord? Yeah. Do you believe that He's risen from the dead? Yeah. I'm always amazed by this that people will all of a sudden grab that thing and believe in the physical resurrection from the dead. God must have placed it within the hearts of human beings to believe that, or else no thinking man or woman could ever believe this. But this is foundational. Remember, this is the the basic things of our faith, the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. In in fact, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says it is appointed for all men to die once and after this comes judgment. There is a judgment that we will go through. If you're a believer, you don't go through this great white throne judgment where you can get thrown into the, 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 uh, 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 the the lake of fire. That's not what, what we're talking about. The judgment that we will go through is we will be judged according to our works and we will be judged according to our words. And this is why we want the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, all I'll be able to claim on that day is His blood. His blood. That's all I've got. His blood to cover all of this, Lord. His blood. These are the basic things of the gospel. This is where we start out. He says, we're not going to start there. He says, here's where we're going to start. Now, this verse... What we're going to get into is one of the most controversial verses in the entire New Testament. Now, I have told you over and over again that within the book of Hebrews, people get really confused. They think that you can lose your salvation. And, and depending on, on, on uh, what churches you go to or what your background is, I mean, some people believe that if you die in a sinful state, in other words, if you've committed a sin and you haven't yet repented of it, and you die, you're going to go to hell. I mean, that's got to be a terrible life. I mean, you know, with all the thoughts, the sinful thoughts that could go through our mind, with all the things that could happen, imagine if you could just lose your salvation, if all of a sudden you lose your temper at somebody, you walk out and you get hit by a car, you're dead, and uh uh-oh, I hadn't yet repented of that, and I just died. I mean, it's, it's a terrible life to think about. This is not what the Scriptures teach. We don't 
get our salvation and lose it and get it again and lose it again and get it again. This is not what it's all about. This verse here is constantly understood, misunderstood. And let's go through it. It says in verse 4, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good work of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they crucified to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. So, we're going to look at this word by word here. There are five things in this verse verse he's talking about. He's not talking about new believers. Not talking about new believers at all. Because look at what he says. There's five things here. And you've got to have all five things. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened. In other words, the person has received the word of truth. They've become believers. They've repented. They've turned to the Lord. That's the first step. Who've once been enlightened. But it doesn't stop there. And have tasted of the heavenly gift. In other words, that this has become a part of their life now. And if you think that, well, taste is just a taste, it's not really grabbing. No, in the context of, of the book of Hebrews, it's talking very much of this tasting death for everyone. If you look in this same book, in Hebrews 2.9, it says, Jesus tasted death for us. Didn't mean he just dabbled in death. No, he really died for us. There was no question about his death. They have tasted of the heavenly gift. They have partaken of what this means. And they have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. They have received the Holy Spirit. So we've discussed this before in the class. But whether you believe that the Holy Spirit comes as a second event or all in composite as one event, either way, these people have the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit. So that's the third thing. So the first thing is they've been enlightened. They've tasted of the heavenly gift. They've been partakers of the Holy Spirit. They've tasted of the good word of God. They have gotten to the point in understanding the word of God that they've learned to love the word of God. They have learned to love the word of God. This doesn't come right away. When you're a first believer, when you're first a believer, you start to read things and you get little bits of it. Little bits. After a while, you start to love the Word of God. The Word of God becomes like your life. If you go a day without the Word of God, it's like a day without food. You really miss it. The Word of God becomes so precious to us. This is the life of the mature believer. Loving the Word of God. It says they, that they, they tasted of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. These people are functioning in the spiritual gifts, in the spiritual gifts of power. These people are functioning in the spiritual gifts of prophecy. They're functioning in the spiritual gifts of healing. They're functioning in those spiritual gifts. So these people are a specific group of people. They are deep believers. They're not young believers and kind of drifted away and never matured. They are deep believers. Deeply held believers. Loving the Word of God. Functioning in the things of God. And then it says, so they have to have had those five things in verse 4. And then in verse 5, verses 4 and 5, and then in verse 6, and then have fallen away. So in other words, if they have all five of those things, and then have fallen away, it is impossible. And I looked up what that word impossible means, and there's no doubt about it. It really means impossible. It means it cannot happen. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance. What's interesting, it it doesn't say it is impossible for them to get saved. 
it is impossible for them to be saved. It doesn't say that. It says it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. It is not God who keeps them away. It is impossible for they themselves to come. Since they crucify themselves to the Son, they, they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. So in other words, if you've got a person who's really excited about the Lord, they've got the Holy Spirit, they're, they're, they're functioning in the spiritual gifts, they love the Word of God, they've seen the power of God, and now, after these years of maturity, have now fallen away, it's impossible to get them to repent. I don't know anybody in my entire life of all the believers that I have met who fits that prescription. I don't know anybody who has fulfilled all five of these things and functioning glowingly in the Holy Spirit and then has fallen away so that they have no regard and that they are, cru- they are putting the Son of God to open shame where they come and they testify about, oh, Jesus never lived, he was, this is all a farce, this is all nonsense. I don't know anybody who's done this. So it's not like there's a lot of people. I mean, I've, met, I've, I've been a believer for almost 40 years around people that really love the Lord. I have never known anybody who has come to that point, being excited about the Lord, and then fallen away and putting Him to open shame. Now, I have known people who were believers, I don't know if they had ever functioned in the depth of this thing, and then they come against, they come against the things of God. They come against the things of God, and they can become very hard against the things of God. I had a a guy at a seminar that I gave uh, about a year ago, and he just, he was so mean at the end about things. And, uh, and I started to, to inquire about him. I said, who is this guy? I mean, just the way he would... And then we had an email conversation so vile in the things that he would say. And he would quote scriptures so out of context and so wrongly. I'd even write to him. I'd say, aren't you ashamed of yourself for putting on your blog the things that you write? There's such sophomoric understanding of the scriptures. And you blatantly put that out for the world to see. Aren't you ashamed of this? And uh, so I started to inquire about him, and it turns out he was a Jewish man who had come to a knowledge and gotten saved, became a Messianic Jew, and then he turned totally around. He himself has no desire to come back to repentance. It never says in the Scriptures that they lose their salvation. The salvation isn't lost. But you can't renew these people back to repentance. Now, I don't know if he fulfilled the five categories. Remember, those are five strict categories. But even this guy, it would have been very hard for him to come back to the Lord because of himself. He doesn't want to repent. He doesn't want to repent. This is what happens when they become so hard against the Lord. They themselves don't want to repent. It is they themselves. They crucify to themselves. Again, the Son of God. They crucify to themselves. It is he's doing it to himself. Look in, in Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 3 says, The foolish man, the, the foolishness of man ruins his way. The foolishness of man ruins his way. Proverbs 19 verse 3. Our own foolishness gets us in all sorts of trouble. It's not God. God, why, why'd you, why'd you allow this to happen? Uh, don't look at me. <laughs> it's you. You're the one who said these things. 
You're the one who stole that thing. You're the one who embezzled. You're the one who, 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 who committed immorality. Don't look at me. Say, why did you allow this to happen? It is the foolishness of man ruins his way and his heart rages against the Lord. Isn't that interesting? We ruin our own way and then we're like, God, why did you do this to me? The foolishness of man ruins his way and his heart rages against the Lord. This is what happens to them. This is what happens to these folks in, 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 in Hebrews chapter 6. They are the ones who have tasted of all the sweet things of the Lord, who have understood all these sweet things of the Lord, and they are the ones who don't want to come back into repentance. It has nothing to do with God not saving them. They are saved. It has nothing to do with being unsaved. It is merely the fact that they themselves don't want to come back to repentance. They are just raging against the Lord. Such bitter hatred against the Lord. There was another guy, and... and uh, um, he came against me again, and, and you know these these he was writing a lot about me on blogs, and I don't read blogs. I just don't read blogs, not because I'm disinterested. I just don't have time. I don't have time. I don't. I can't understand how people have time to sit around reading other people's thoughts on blogs, just these running thoughts. But anyway, so so um, people would send me snippets in my e- in email. Oh, this person's saying this and this. So I started a dialogue with this person. So mean, so vile in what he would say. His language was so violent. And uh, then it turns out he was formerly a believer. This is what happens to people when they turn and they turn. and It, it is they themselves that don't want to be renewed to repentance. It's not God that's keeping them away. As far as salvation, salvation something different. They have already been saved, but they don't want to repent. That's why the word here is, says, it is impossible for them again to uh, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. They themselves aren't repenting. It's not an issue of salvation. Since they crucify, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Then it goes on, For the ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is tilled, receives a blessing. So when rain comes upon ground and it brings forth vegetation, it produces a blessing from God. It receives a blessing from God. It produces vegetation. So when God comes and He falls upon you, and the rain of God falls upon you, and you are nourished by God, and vegetation comes up, you receive a great blessing from the Lord. But... In verse 8, if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and it ends up being burned. So, if all of this rain, all of this nurturing comes from God and all it yields in return is thorns and thistles, it is worthless, it is close to being cursed. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say it is cursed, it says it is close to being cursed and it ends up being burned. What does this mean? Well, let's look in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And it's important to, to just study this passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're gonna, I'm just going to read a couple verses, from verses 1 and 2. And then we'll skip on down. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as if spiritual men, 
But as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. Remember the milk versus solid food description in Hebrews chapter 5? This is one of the reasons why many people think that the author of the book of Hebrews is Paul. Again, we don't know for sure because he didn't identify himself. But you see the, the similarities there. Now let's, let's move down to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation, which is gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he has built on it, remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So he says in verse 10, I built a foundation in your lives. The foundation was Jesus Christ. That's the only foundation that can be laid. Verse 11, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Once there's salvation, Paul brought salvation to that city in Jesus Christ and laid that foundation. He says, now people are building on that foundation. You can build on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or you can build on that foundation with wood, hay, and straw. It's going to be tested by fire. The things in life will come against us. Things in life will come against us that will test our faith. And we're going happily along, praising God, and and things are just going to test our faith. And you can be doing many great things that will end up ultimately even testing your faith. Many good things. I mean, I learned this when we were just a young couple. I remember that that Shireen and I were were staying in her brother's home. And, uh, and, and, um, uh, you you know, just... just, uh, you, you know, the things that happened, they, they, they went out for the evening. We had just finished Christmas caroling and doing all these things. And then, and then her brother and his, his wife were, were going out and we were going to watch their kids and, and, uh, we were staying in their place. And what happened was the drain got clogged. Actually, the toilet got clogged and overflowed. And when it overflowed, it was a mess. And Shireen came in and she, she woke me up. She says, the toilet's overflowing. And, and so I came and I shut off the water and there was water everywhere and we cleaned it up. And I'm thinking, now, this is on the second floor. Let me go down and see if there's any mess downstairs. I went down to the kitchen, and water is just coming through the cabinets, all over the dishes, all over the... And, I, and we, we just worked very hard, very fast. Took out all the dishes, washed them, cleaned them, wiped everything down, put them all back, and I'm thinking, this house has a basement, and the basement's just been refinished. I go down to the basement... And there's a stream of water still coming down and they just had the basement refinished and they had a blown ceiling and the ceiling separated from, from the, the top. There's this white blown ceiling part was hanging down and a stream of water was just coming down. So we cleaned that up and I remember I just pushed the ceiling up and it stuck. You know, and it stuck. <laughs> stuck. And uh, when they got home, we were like... Um, uh, the, the toilet overflowed, but we, it, it's all cleaned up. Oh, don't worry about it. That happens all the time. And we're like, okay. <laughs> You're going to let us off that easy. But we were really good folks. I mean, we had just sung Christmas carols. We were minding our own business. And 
I remember for the next 15 years, I would go back in that home and we'd go in the basement and I'd see that thing is still stuck up there. It never came off. And we were praying like, Praise Lord, keep this house together. <laughs> anyway, things happen in life. All sorts of things happen to us in life. We're just going about our business. And if we build a foundation, things are going to be tested. When things get tested, it says that if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. The things that are going to test your life. The works that we do may get burned up, but we're not going to lose our salvation. It is not an issue of salvation in, in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 6. It's not an issue of salvation. It is purely an issue of repentance. Are you going to bring these people back to repentance? The burning up that they're talking about, he says, close to being cursed, but they're not cursed. They're close to being. If they had been cursed, he would have said, they are cursed. He never said that. They're close to being cursed. They're just on the edge. And it's going to be like, like branches thrown and burned up. But the burning up is the works. The works are burned up. Yet he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Your salvation is not something can, that can be lost, but it is a treasure that needs to be nurtured and needs to be built upon in the right way. And this is why we nurture it, we develop it, and it works out that, that we build this thing up and that is what is retained. And there is great blessing in having this. Great blessing. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. You are so good. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. Lord, I pray that you would come upon those who do not know you, those here who do not know you. Father, that you would bring them to the point of repentance, to saying, indeed, I am a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, forgive me. I believe you are Lord and you have risen from the dead. Father, that you would bring that to them to the point that they would believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, that their souls could be saved. And Father, I pray for the believers here that you would cause them to mature in you, that they would taste of the good word of God, they would see how good it is. Father, that they would experience the powers of the age to come, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they would be filled to overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in that. And Father, that they would not worry about that their salvation is indeed secure in You, but what would concern them would be that their works that they would build upon, works of precious stones, gold and silver, precious items, Lord, that they would build upon it. Lord, I pray for your grace upon these young people that they would take the Word of God and make it their treasure. Father, protect them. And Lord, as many of them are moving into finals week, Lord, I pray that you protect them, that you watch over them, that you give them strength for all that is before them. The grace of God surround them. In the name of Jesus. Amen.